All right, well, I went over and kind of reviewed. We're going to jump into Ephesians here again. How we can see how Paul's taken the Ephesians and us. Again, remember, this book wasn't just written for the people of the time. It's God's word for us today to reveal himself to us so we can become more like him. And so it still is profitable today, still brings correction today, still brings conviction today. These aren't just some random letters that we're throwing out there that, that are some good writings. They are great writings, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to bring transformation in our lives. And so when we read Scripture, we break down Scripture, when we look at Scripture, it's not about just saying, I've gone through it and I've read the Bible this many times. It's what have you taken from that Scripture and applied to your life and let it change you. Because that's what the Word does. And again, I've gone through and I've read the Bible a couple times all the way through. And I'm still seeing new stuff. I'm still learning new stuff. I'm still being grown into new things. And that's why it can be called the living word because it doesn't matter if you're just saved or if you've been saved 50 years. It will still teach us where we're at. And that's what we want God to do. We don't, we're not all on the same level. We're not all at the same place. But God will meet us where we're at to help us keep moving forward. Now, when we jump to Ephesians 3 and we jump to verse 14, we're going to see what I talked about last week where he starts off verse 14 again where he says, for this reason. So he's continuing his thought from the chapter, verse 1. And remember, I broke down last week you know, what those reasons were and how we have our faith in Christ and, and how God's given us faith that we can come boldly before the throne room, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus did for us. And so Paul now gets to this thing, and, and, and it's honestly the second prayer in Ephesians. And so I'm going to read 14 through 21 through, through in the NASB here real quick this morning, and then we're going to kind of just look at it and, and try to break it down and apply this prayer to our own prayer lives and our own lives. So it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his Holy Spirit in the inner man, so that, the, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up with the, to the, all the fullness of God." Not to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the, in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Okay, now people today, as we look at this and as I started reading this, we want to, we see a lot of crusades for social justice going on today. that's all fine and dandy. You know, as, as Aliyah shared with us a few weeks ago and as I was chatting with DPB about this and some of the social justice issues and everything else, we came to one common denominator in all of them. It's not a social justice issue, it's a heart condition. If we change the hearts of people, those problems go away. And so it's a heart condition, and that's really what Paul gets to here. Now, we would love to see abortion banned in all 50 states. But it's not about abortion, it's about the heart. The heart transformation of people. 
The real issue is the spiritual condition of people's hearts. You know, we want marriage to be one man and one woman. Again, that is a lie straight from the depths of hell, and it's a spiritual condition that we're fighting against. See, we got to stop fighting people. And understand, we have a real enemy whose whole job is to lie, cheat, kill, steal, and destroy. That's his only purpose. It ain't changed from the beginning. It hasn't changed from the Garden of Eden. It's a spiritual condition we're fighting against. It's not people. See, we want to see all of our different races come together and live peaceably in community. Well, guess what? I don't have to agree with you to live with you in peace if my heart is in the right condition. And guess what happens when my heart is? They can see that. And the spiritual condition can change. It's why I say, you know, when we pray, we change the atmosphere of where we're at. We're bringing the very presence of God with us wherever we are, no matter where we are when we pray. And do we, do we act like that when we pray? Do we pray with that kind of power? Understanding that the, the Son of God who lives within us and through the power of His Holy Spirit grants His Father's presence to come with us as we pray, and it changes atmospheres. It doesn't have a chance. And so we need to understand that we pray, and how we pray and what we pray literally matters. See, we want to confess our sins, but we need to, when we confess our sins, we need to also acknowledge our dependence on Him. Because left alone, I can screw a lot of things up. I don't know, maybe you guys are better than me. I just know me. I mess things up when I try to do it myself. See, as I was reading through this prayer, it reminds me how narrow-minded my prayers can be. It, it made me start to think. Because see, the spiritual condition of my children's heart needs to be more important than what they're walking through. See, the spiritual condition of my friends and family is more important than the jobs they get. I've said it before and I'll say it again and it came from Craig Rochelle. God is more concerned with the who than he is the do. God is more concerned with who you're becoming than what you're doing. And who are we becoming? Because see, as important as a lot of those things seem to us today, I've never come across one person in my life working at the hospital who was ever disappointed they didn't spend more time at work. It's always about, I wish I would have had more time for this. I wish I had more time for my family. I wish I had more time for my kids. I wish I had more time to help people. I wish I had more time, again, to be selfless. And so Paul is trying to get us to understand that this is really about the spiritual condition of our heart. I wrote a, st a story down real quick from when I, was, when I was studying this, and the title of this, this little story is, Are You a Prayer Warrior or a Prayer Warrior? And it says, A missionary wrote a newsletter to thank his supporters for being prayer warriors. Now, this has happened to us all, I'm sure. Autocorrect changes warrior to warrior. So when he sent this letter out, because of a typing error, though, he called them prayer warriors. For some of us, that might be a good description. In his book, Growing Your Soul, Neil Wiseman writes, prayer must be more than a kind of restatement of fretting worries or a mulling over of problems. Our petitions must move beyond gloomy desperation, which deals mostly with calamity and despair, 
with most, sorry, mostly calamity and despair. See, what we need to understand is during our anxious times in our lives, we can become prayer warriors. We can start worrying about our problems and not warriors that we are in Christ. See, we a lot of times will beg for our neighbors to not cause us problems. But maybe God's saying, why don't you pray for them as we did this morning to be blessed? Why don't you pray for them to meet with me? Why are you asking me to change the situation? Because a lot of times God walks us through storms to give us a character we need, not what we want. And so when we become prayer warriors, we understand that as we pray for people, and I talked about this last week, I'm going to start praying what I want to see God do, not what I don't want to see them do. I want to start praying victory over situations because that's who I serve. When we get to the end of these verses, you know, it says, now God will give us able to do through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think or even imagine. So when we're praying, what are we asking for? You know, when we pray, if, you, if your prayers that you prayed yesterday were to be answered today, what would be different in this world? Or would, you, would our lives just be easier? See, we have to understand that Paul, when he started to pray this, says, for this reason, when we understand this, he says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything. Do you, do you enter the throne room and understand you are praying to the God, the person who created all of this? Or have we become so comfortable with our prayer lives that we forget who we're praying to? We should be in awe every time we pray. It's why I said this morning when I say thank you to God, it's really not a big enough word. I just don't have another word to tell him how much I love him. Because that's who he is. See, Paul wasn't saying falling to my knees is the key to this. Because our physical posture does not mean as much as our spiritual posture when we pray, when we worship, when we read the Bible. See, it's not whether or not I raise my hands during worship. It's not whether or not I dance or clap. All those things, and I can show you biblically how they are acts of worship in the Bible. But if my heart isn't seeking God, I am not the true worshiper he talks about in John 4, 22 and 23. Because see, God already knows we're worshipers. He wants true worship, which is a heart surrendered to him. And so when Paul starts to pray, he said, guess what, I fall to my knees. I, everything on earth has been given. He's done everything for us. And he says, Paul reminds us that we're all part of God's family. Even those who aren't here this morning, even for those we're praying for, even for those who we don't think are following Jesus, they're still called to be part of God's family. And do we see them that way? Paul does apparently, because he's not, he's not saying, I'm just praying for you people in the church. Now this letter was written to the Ephesian church, yes, but that means anybody who walked in through that door, Paul was praying for. Paul said, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, 
Do we see when we're praying to God, when we see when we're praying for this building, that God's glory and his unlimited resources, to him that building is nothing. But again, he cares more about us than he does that building. You are his unlimited resource that he wants to use to change people's lives. And that's what Paul's praying for here. Now think about this. When we understand that we're, we're called as part of God's family, our identity has been changed. If you think about it, you all have last names, right? And what does that last name do for you? It identifies you with that family. Now some of us, I know, probably don't want to be identified with that family. But we still are. But we have to understand that, guess what? The creator of the universe gave us a new identity and called him by his name. So we are now his family. And family names mean a lot. You go back through the Bible, every name, they were very careful how they named their people. Why? Because it meant something. And God was very careful when he named you. Because you mean something. And when we understand as Paul's praying here, that the assignments of those names is a privilege from the Creator. We don't have to work for them. See, not only does our name tell us who we are, but it ties us to who we are and whose we are. He assigned all of us, and again, if you go back to Genesis 1, 5, 8, and 10, I'm not going to read them right now, it talks about how all of creation and how Adam assigned names to all of creation. God has assigned you a name to make you special. Understand you are this morning. Being named by, the hev- by, by God gives us our spiritual identity and it ties us to Him. And see, then he jumps into verse 16. And he says, guess what? I'm praying f- not, for, not for your problems to go away. Paul's not praying for the Ephesians' problems to go away. He's not praying for their life to become better, is he? He's praying for strength for them. Because guess what? We're all going to walk through stuff. We're all going to go through problems. So we need God's strength. Are you praying for strength for those around you? And not that their problems go away, but strength to get through those problems. Because we're going to have them. Are you praying for people to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? Again, the day of Pentecost, when it came down, it shook a city. It changed the world. People thought they were drunk. Because they were all praising God. And Paul goes on to give a sermon that changed history. He went from being a denier of Jesus to proclaiming Him in front of 3,000 at least. See, that's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Is He gives us the strength to do that. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, what happens when you understand you've been empowered with the inner strength of the Holy Spirit is that Christ will come and make His home in your hearts. And in the process of doing that, as we understand more of Christ and how Christ comes into our hearts and how Christ transforms our lives, he says what's going to happen is your roots are going to go down in deeper into God's love. See, what could have been happening at this time is Paul could have been praying to be released from prison. Paul could have been praying for the guards to give him favor. 
to give him an extra helping of whatever they ate in prison. Paul could have been praying for a lot of different things, but what Paul prayed for was for their lives and the Ephesian church to be changed and transformed by the love of God and for them to grow deeper, for them to get stronger. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to the Yosemite or Sequoia National Parks. If you have, you've seen the majestic redwood trees, how big those bad boys are. And again, I've talked about them before. If you've ever studied them, you know, their roots don't go that deep. A tree that big, by physics and everything else, should topple. Because it's anywhere from, I think it's 12 to 18 inches. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Is all the deeper their roots go. So how do they stay strong when the winds come? How do they stay strong when the storms come? What's happened is they've created an intertwining with other trees and other roots to keep their strength. It's a picture of the church. Why we need each other. As we grow deeper in God's love, we understand that we can connect with somebody else and help them and keep them strong. And that's what Paul's praying for here. He's saying, understand y'all need each other. They grow close to each other. They withstand nature's onslaught. They go through a lot of different things because they have the stabilizing root bed in each other. And when we understand that as our roots go down in Christ, we have a firm foundation that cannot be shaken and will not be moved. And so we have that root, that foundation that says, once you get that, you're going to be able to comprehend. Or Again, when you use the word comprehend, when he says comprehend all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. It's not, okay, you understand it, because I'm sorry, I'm never going to understand the depth of God's love. I do not, as much as I try to say I do, I do not understand how a father sends his son to die for people who hate him. I cannot understand that. But what comprehend actually means here is you experience the love of Christ. Because then you're going to know how deep, how wide, how high it is. When you experience that love, it changes you. And that's why I want you guys to get this. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about reading Scripture. It's about experiencing God. It's about experiencing Him on a level you never have before. And that's what happened to me. It wasn't that I all of a sudden became instantly knowledgeable about the Bible. Because I still am not that good at it. I'm just going to be honest. I don't have it memorized. I got a few verses memorized. God brings verses up when I need them. But what I have done is I've spent time with God and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt I have spent time with Him. That changed my life. And it happened in this type of setting of just coming together with other believers, knowing that we're all walking through junk and experiencing God right where I was. See, we are knit together in love. We grow strong in love. We become stable and we're able to stand as people of faith because of the love of Christ in us. Not because of anything we're doing. As a church, we're called to let other people see that in us. And that's, I believe, what we do. I'm preaching to the choir here this morning for you guys. I, I, I've spent time with you guys. I know your hearts. I know you love Jesus. There's no denying that. If somebody spends two seconds with you, they're going to know there's something different about you guys. 
So I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning about this because you have experienced God. And see, to break down this morning as I just wrap up, when we get to the specifics of this prayer and how our prayers need to almost mirror this thought process, is when we pray, we need to pray for strength. Not for problems to go away, but the strength. And here's why, I, here's why I think he says this. Because see, your test is going to be someone else's testimony. What you're going through is going to be able to help somebody else go through it. So ask God to give you the strength to walk through that. And He will. And when you overcome it, you're going to be able to help someone else. Pray that you experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit again. If you've had it before, ask for it again. We can read all through Scripture, all through the New Testament church. They were constantly praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a one-time experience. This isn't a one-time thing. You come in and, woohoo, I'm saved! Because yes, you are, but we, we got work to do. And Jesus knew the work was too hard, so He sent the Holy Spirit to do it. Because He is our comforter. He is our teacher. He is our strength. I mean, you read about the New Testament church when they were in jail and they get out of jail. They go back to their friends and they hang out. They didn't pray, say, God, hide us from the guards. They say, God, help us to preach more boldly. Let's throw it out in their face a little bit more who you are. Give us the strength to do this. And then pray, and, and my prayer for you guys, honestly, this, this week has been that thought process of experience the love of Christ. Experience it. Look to experience it. Ask God to help you experience it. Take five minutes out of your life and just spend time and seek it. Press into God and, and ask God and say, God, I want to experience you. I want something different from you. I don't want what I had yesterday. I don't want what you got for me tomorrow. God, meet me today right where I'm at. Because when we do that, he says, guess what? I will fill you with my fullness. I will fill you with more than you could ask, more than you could dream, more than you could imagine. Because I can tell you as a leadership team, that building was not on our dreamscape. It was not something we were thinking about. We just kept seeking God. We could have met in this building. And quite honestly, for the price of what we pay for rental of this building, it's a smart idea. But God expanded our vision and expanded our dream. And so I'm going to give you more than you can ask or imagine. I'm going to give you fullness that you didn't even think was there. And this thing just happened. Now, does it mean it happens the way we want it to? Good golly, no. Because I would be in there already if it was. But God, as we were praying this morning, says, guess what? Be patient through the process. Because you will. God's given us this city. He's already said it. So it's a done deal. You guys believe that? You guys go around and share that. God's given us this city. He's given us our communities. He's given us our jobs to reach people. And so we start, we start becoming warriors instead of worriers about the problems. Because Paul's confidence wasn't in his prayers. It wasn't in his circumstances. It wasn't in what was going on. His confidence was found because of his strength in the Spirit, because of his trust in God, 
because of his understanding of the love of Christ and because of his experiencing the love of Christ, he began to become a greater prayer warrior. It's why he could say, I am the least of these at this point because it's all about what God's done. And as we pray those prayers, what's going to happen is, guess what it says? It says, when you experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully, (laughs) before you even understand this, he says you're going to be made complete. Which means you're lacking nothing. You have everything you need. Because see, when we understand that God wants to show off, we have to give him room to show up. Then he can. Then our joy, it says our joy is made complete in him. Not in what we do and not in what we accomplish or what we see, but because glory has been given to God. And Paul finishes this prayer off with the understanding that everything belongs to him. The circumstances he was going through didn't matter. He knew God had a plan. Many times we see where Paul said, if possible, I'll come and see you again. We also see Paul say the same prayer I've prayed many times. God, just take me home. I've had it. (laughs) But as Paul prays, okay, I guess you got more work for me to do, so I'm going to keep working. We all have prayed that prayer of Paul. I find myself not doing the things I shouldn't, doing the things I shouldn't. But glory to God in Christ Jesus. See, we have to understand that we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to do things wrong. But as we become prayer warriors and we start praying the victory and we understand the Lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven, and we start praying and understanding that the Holy Spirit working through you will bring that power of heaven with you, that the results are up to God. Our job is just to be obedient. We don't heal people when we pray for them. Jesus does. But Jesus wants to use us to show faith. God is sovereign in everything He does. And He finishes off verse 21 where it says, Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And so, dear Heavenly Father, as we wrap up this morning, help us to start seeing ourselves as those prayer warriors that you are, we are following the Lord of Heaven's armies, the General of Heaven's armies. We're just following Him and into battle. And God, that we have an enemy whose job is to lie, cheat, kill, steal, and destroy, but he's already been defeated in Jesus' name. There is no sickness that can stand against the name of Jesus. There is no relational issue that can stand against the name of Jesus. There is nothing in all of heaven, on earth, or under the earth that can stand against the name of Jesus. And so we're going to go on the offense and say not even the gates of hell can stand against you, Jesus. And we are going to storm and bring heaven with us wherever we go. Because God, more than anything, my heart is to see people's hearts and lives transformed by your love. Because I know what you did for me. And so humbly this morning, God, we're just going to take some time to pray and ask you to reveal in us where we've been warriors more than warriors. 
and understand that you've already called us by name and we're part of your family. And we're going to declare victory in your name. And God, we're going to trust you with the outcome. Because you, Jesus, as you talked with people, it was always by their faith. Things were changed. So I'm praying for an increase of faith in our lives this morning, God. Not in what we do, not in what we say, not in what we read, but as we experience you on a new level, help our faith grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen.